Welcome to Up an Octave, a podcast by Sonivia. I'm your host, Ruth Spence, founder of Sonivia, the podcast management agency that helps women and non-binary people take up space in podcasting. Up an Octave is here to support you in your podcasting journey, from how to market yourself, how to sound great, how to edit for your specific voice, and how to make your podcast feel like magic. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Up an Octave. Today, I am talking about room tone and background noise, the fuzzy sounds that can sometimes muddy your message. Background noise is one more barrier that can separate you and your listenership. It can be especially distracting for the people who, like me, listen at mm, 1.5, 1.75, you know who you are. And it can also be really grating to people who are more accustomed to listening to studio quality podcasts from some of the bigger celebrity names. So with that said, let's get your audio cleaned up and get your show growing. The best of all, most of the tips and tricks I'm sharing today are free 99. So if you are a thrifty podcaster, you're gonna want to take some notes. First of all, before we actually get started, let's get really clear on what room tone is and how you can train yourself to start hearing it. First off, room tone is the baseline acoustic characteristics of an environment. Every room has its own tone, just like every house has a smell. If you go away on vacation and you come home, you're like, huh, that's what my house smells like. The same is true for room tone. You kind of learn to stop hearing it because you get so accustomed to it that your brain just filters it out. Kind of like how I guess we can all see our noses and our mind just chooses not to because it would be so distracting. The same is true for these acoustic characteristics. The factors that make up your room tone are your HVAC system, the quality of your windows, wiring and electrical systems, room size, and appliances. While you may not notice these things because they're quiet or, like I'd mentioned, you've just learned to tune them out, your microphone is going to pick these up differently than your ears do. So what may sound quiet or not even existent to you may be really freaking annoying on your microphone. So for example, I am recording in my fairly small guest bedroom turned office. I have an overhead vent and it's got my air conditioning running through it because it's still over 80 degrees, even though it's the end of September. And what you're hearing is after I've treated the room in post-production. But we're going to switch over now through post-production magic. And this is an example of what it sounds like to not have treated the room tone. It doesn't make a huge difference in my space, but it absolutely can depending on the other factors that you're dealing with. All right, audio magic. Now we're back to the good sound. So how can you take your show from that to this? Let's talk about pre-production. These are the things that you can do before you hit record. And remember that the best editing is the editing you don't have to do because of your good practice with recording. Before we get much further, we're going to have a crash course in how sound works so that you can learn how sound waves travel. Sound is vibration moving through the air. This vibration bounces like a ping pong ball. So think about what would happen if you threw a ping pong ball at a wood or tile floor. It would bounce like Saturday night beer pong in a frat house. The same is true if you threw it at a wall. Now, 
Imagine throwing that ping pong ball into a luxurious high pile rug or into some heavy curtains. It just kind of plops. It might bounce a little bit, but nothing like on a hard surface. The same is true for sound waves. They will bounce and bounce and bounce off of the hard surfaces in your space. This is why you see those foamy soundproofing tiles in recording studios. Softer materials eat the sound waves so that they can't bounce and create an echo. This idea is why I suggest, and so many other people suggest, recording in a closet full of clothes. The clothing provides soft materials to grab these sound waves before they can bounce and come back at your microphone and create that echo. If recording in a closet isn't available or it isn't an option for you, try to record in an area with carpeting or a rug and consider hanging some curtains around your space, kind of like a room partition. Soundproofing tiles, also called acoustic panels, are an awesome investment, but good ones are not cheap. So this is why I kind of recommend going the curtain route, or if you can, into a closet. Those options are going to get you a lot further for a lot cheaper. So when I had my first podcast when I was living over in Germany, closets were not a thing in my apartment. We had a freestanding, kind of like a wardrobe, big Narnia vibes but we didn't have closets, so I couldn't record in there, and the plaster walls and wood floors of my apartment bounce that sound around like nobody's business. So I actually ended up building myself a podcast studio, which I insulated with a mattress topper that I was able to find pretty cheap, and certainly cheaper than acoustic panels. I kind of made my own closet, so to speak. And this worked well, And I will say the caveat with that, as well as the caveat for any of the kind of freestanding remote studios that you can find online that look like a little pop-up tent, is that it gets freaking hot in there, especially because in Germany I didn't have air conditioning, so I was baking. But those are the sacrifices that we make for our art sometimes, so it may be an option that's worth it to you, especially if you live in a temperate climate. Additionally, if you are able to turn off your AC or heater while you're recording, you're going to notice a reduction in the background hum of your space. If that's not feasible, at least be mindful of when that system kicks on or gets louder and try to record around that. This sometimes means having a false start if you realize that you're speaking and your HVAC turns on. Pause for a minute, let it get to the temperature it's trying to get to, and then resume. The same is true for your computer's internal fan. It can kick on and become quite loud. This was actually the biggest issue with the little studio that I built in Germany, is that because it was so hot in there, my computer had to work harder to cool itself down, so that fan was coming on a lot louder a lot more often. This was also on the laptop that I spilled tea on, so it was just struggle bussing in general. So if you don't have the highest quality laptop or you have one that's a little bit more of a workhorse that has to work harder to keep itself cool, that is something to be mindful of. Another tip that I think is often overlooked is to check your cables. Loose, damaged, or worn out cables can create a fuzzy or kind of a humming sound. So keep your cables in good shape and that'll keep your audio quality sounding its best. I mentioned this a little bit when I was talking about microphones because having a damaged audio cable really does kind of ruin the vibe for everything. And finally, do your best to record when your home and your outdoor space is quiet. Try not to record on days when the grass is being mowed and ask other people in your living space to be mindful of when you're recording. This can also look like waiting until housemates or other people who you share your space with are not home, 
And this is why it's so critical to plan ahead. Because if you are like me and you have a baby who sometimes is having a day, you may just not be able to record that day. If you have housemates who decide that when you're trying to record is the exact time to do dishes, you may not be able to record that day. And so having enough time built into your calendar to have a backup day to record if you need to is a huge win. And this is where I will mention catastrophic acts of God. Because when I was first starting this show, I had built my recording schedule out to be super precise within this, you know, week or so. And I was like, cool, I'll have these three days that I can record this particular episode. And those three days were when we had a hurricane and it was storming like crazy intermittently throughout that entire schedule. So that's why in some of my episodes early on, you do hear some storm sounds. And so ideally, and this is me saying, do as I say, not as I do, you would want to have a different week where there wasn't a hurricane that you could get it out. My general philosophy is that sometimes hurricanes happen, sometimes lawn mowing happens, sometimes loud roommates happen. So as long as you do your best, the average of your show will trend higher. There are going to be days where there are just hurricanes, I guess. And so sometimes it's going to be unavoidable. But if you do your best most of the time, I think that it gives you a little bit of grace for the days that you can't do your best. Another thing I'll say is don't be afraid to stop and start again. So if you are in the middle of going off on this tangent and you're saying some really impactful stuff and you hear your HVAC kick on, don't be afraid to kind of make a mental note of what you were saying. Stop, wait a few minutes and start again. Too often I hear my clients just try and power through whatever sound is happening. If a motorcycle is going by outside, if they've forgotten to turn down the ringer on their phone and they're getting notifications, they'll just kind of awkwardly try and power through, which to me never has to happen if you're not live streaming. The beautiful thing about podcasting as a non-live medium is that you have the luxury to restate yourself. You have the luxury and the gift of post-production. Use it to your advantage. I think it's almost always better to take those extra few seconds to restate yourself than having those background distractions left in. Because to me, it's really kind of jarring. It's almost like those old like jump scare videos on YouTube where you're focusing so hard and then boom, the scary face shows up. When you're listening to this podcast and it's like, oh my gosh, this is so impactful. And it's like, bring, bring. You're like, whoa. So I always try and avoid that situation. Something else that can impact your background sound is how you're using your microphone. If you have a microphone that has an adjustable polar or pickup pattern, like the Blue Yeti, make sure that you're using the cardioid setting. This is the one that looks like a heart or a booty, in my opinion, and speak into it at the correct address so that you're not picking up as much of the room as you would if you were using, say, the omnidirectional setting, which is going to pick up 360 around the microphone. If you're only using the cardioid or the booty setting, then that is going to only pick up facing you. So you're catching a lot less ambient sound that way. Since we're talking about microphones, I'm also going to remind you to use a pop filter and a windscreen on your microphone to help keep unwanted sounds out. This isn't going to be a huge reduction in your ambient sound, but every little bit helps, especially in a less than ideal space. The same is true for keeping your microphone the appropriate distance from your mouth. 
This ensures that your voice is picked up properly without trying to fight through background sounds. It depends a little bit on the type of microphone, condenser, dynamic, the model of microphone that you're using, but typically that's somewhere between the finger and thumb telephone gesture from your mouth to your microphone or a full fist. Play around with it, see what works best for you, but know that somewhere in that range is what you're going to want to do for distance. When you record, it's also important to leave at least 5 to 10 seconds of silence at the beginning of your recording. And in the words of the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, this is a special tool that will help us later. Now on to post-production. It's time to edit. You have done all that you can to improve your recording space. You've set your microphone up for success with nice tight-fitting cables, a well-fitting windscreen, and yet you listen back and there's still fuzz. So now what? As you know by now, I am an Audacity stan. There are other options for removing background noise, I was just speaking with someone who uses Descript. I mean, every DAW or DAW digital audio workstation is going to have some kind of noise removal tool. But as always, I am here to talk about Audacity. Here's how you're going to take care of background noise in my personal favorite DAW. So you've got your raw track, which I'm going to go ahead and take the liberty of assuming that you've run through the levelator. And now it's time to get rid of the background sound. So back to that Mickey Mouse special tool that we saved for later. The first couple seconds of your track, that's just the sound of your room. It's just your microphone recording what your space sounds like without your voice in the way. You're going to highlight that little segment of speech-free recording at the beginning of your track. Now click Effect, go down to Noise Removal and Repair, and then Noise Reduction. Click Get Noise Profile. This allows the software to learn what the background sound in your space sounds like. Now, once that happens, you're going to double-click the track entirely and highlight the whole thing and click Back Up into Effect, Noise Removal and Repair, Noise Reduction, and then you're going to click OK. Leave the settings exactly as they are, and you're going to see your sound waves change, and hopefully the little ones that you're seeing have pretty much gone away completely, and it's taken out those room sounds that you're not wanting. For really loud background sound, with the whole track selected still, hit Control or Command and R and run it over one more time. I don't suggest running noise reduction more than twice because it'll take too much of the humanity out of your voice at that point and you kind of start to sound like a robot and it sounds too edited. The blank segment at the beginning will also serve as your room tone sample if you choose to replace complete silence from editing with the more natural tone as you edit. So, for example, let's say you had to remove a really big breath or a filler word. Instead of completely silencing that segment with, say, using Amplify minus 50, you can paste in the room tone from the beginning, that little sample, to keep that blank space sounding more organic so it's not just completely muted. This isn't always necessary, especially if you don't have a lot of room tone. But in especially noisy rooms with not-so-great microphones, this can keep the track from going like loud, silent, loud, silent, loud, silent, and making your listeners almost like kind of dizzy. Because I think that when you have these grating spaces where you can hear like the, you know, the slight like whooshing sound of a not-so-great microphone or a loud room, and then it's just dead silence, I can hear all of those little edits, and it just sounds kind of slapped together. I think that a little bit of room tone keeps that organic feeling so that it doesn't sound so edited. And I think it keeps a little bit more of the intimacy and authenticity of what you're doing. 
So after you use noise reduction, you can continue your typical editing workflow and boom, you have an episode. So to recap, the free things that you can do are to try and record in a softer room with some luxurious textiles, i.e. your fabulous clothing. If that's not an option, trying to pick somewhere that has carpet or where you can hang a heavy blanket or some curtains. Those are all free options. Audacity, of course, is free. And your microphone etiquette is also free. Getting really good at knowing how far away you should be from your microphone, making sure that you're checking your cables before you're recording. These are all free resources. The places that you can invest if you choose are to get some acoustic paneling or soundproofing tiles, invest in a higher quality microphone, but I think most people can get pretty far on the freebies. Hey, don't mind if I do. I'm just cutting in for a minute to share something exciting. Ever thought about making a podcast that doesn't feel overwhelming? If you're listening to the show, then I know you're curious about making the best podcast you can. And that's where Sonivia comes in. I'm your podcast launch specialist, and I'm here to take your show from concept to content. I've immersed myself in the world of podcasting for years, and I have got the knowledge and industry secrets to help make your show the success that we both know it can be. If you're ready to take the leap and start sharing your voice with the world, head on over to sonivia.com and snag your free call. Let's chat. Oh, and by the way, the party's still on. I decided to keep celebrating until Halloween. So mention up an octave when booking your call before October 31st for a cool $50 off of your launch. Let's make some podcasting magic together. Your dream show awaits. Anyway, now back to the good stuff. Alrighty, so today's question comes from Zoe over at the Spunky VA. Zoe asks, my question is, what tips do you have to get better audio quality when interviewing guests remotely and they may not have all of the podcasting gear? For example, what platform to use, what settings to put the meeting or streaming platform on, or tips on how to set up their space to avoid distortions? This is a fantastic question because a lot of times the experts that you're wanting to have on your show are not going to be podcasters and they're not going to be coming from an audio mindset. The first thing that I suggest is not so much a tech tip as it is for you to get really comfortable as an interviewer so that you're able to pull the most value out of these people. Oftentimes your listeners are going to be more willing to listen to lower quality audio if there is high quality content. Prepare your guest ahead of time by sending them over an info sheet about the software you'll be recording with and tips for them to sound their best. If people have a little bit of time to prepare, there's a chance that they can eke out a higher quality than if some of the stuff is just like sprung on them at the last moment. So the things that I would cover on that sheet would be, if at all possible, using an external microphone with headphones is the best option. A lot of people since COVID, when we were all working remotely, had to buy at least like a blue snowball or some kind of external mic for all the Zoom meetings. So at this point, many people do have an external microphone laying around. If this isn't available to your guest, I would say at least using hardwired earbuds with the mic on the cord would be my next preferred option with Bluetooth AirPods or whatever along with the integrated laptop mic being my absolute bottom tier. I think that especially when you are remote recording, having Bluetooth just adds another element of lag on top of trying to get two people's internet connections and computers to communicate, then you're having to do the Bluetooth. It just makes for a less comfortable experience. 
a less organic conversation as you're waiting for the lag, I advise against it really strongly. As far as what platform to use, I am personally a Zencaster girly for that cloud recording. I think it's the most user-friendly for podcasters and non-podcasters alike, and in my opinion, it generates the highest quality of audio. I recommend Zencaster over Riverside FM because I have actually had several instances of clients having corrupted files with Riverside, and I tend to think that the quality is a little bit lower, but I will absolutely use it in a pinch if Zencaster is having a rough day. The last option for cloud recording that I recommend is Zoom. Zoom does provide the worst quality recordings out of these three options, but the trade-off is that it is the most user-friendly, which is a sacrifice that may be worth making in some cases. At this point, almost everybody and their mama has used Zoom, has it downloaded on their computer, and feels at least kind of comfortable with it. So if the person that you're interviewing isn't super tech savvy, Zoom may be the way to go just so that they have a more pleasant experience so they don't feel frazzled and are not able to provide the level of quality that they want to because of how anxious they are about the software. With any of these options, you may find that issues with crosstalk happen where if you're talking at the same time, the software will sort of select one voice as the primary and that'll muffle or kind of blot out the other voice. A solution for this is, for your end of the recording at least, to record locally in Audacity in tandem with your cloud recording so that at least your audio has that consistent high quality between a solo episode and your guest episode. This takes a little bit more work to line it up in post-production, but I think sometimes it can be worth it. In my opinion, if at least your audio sounds good, listeners are more likely to put up with less than stellar guest audio because they're like, okay, well, at least Zoe's audio is kind of there as the consistent. It sounds really strong. So I know Zoe's going to lead the ship. Even if the guest doesn't sound so great, I can at least rely on Zoe to sound great. I really recommend conducting your interview with the camera off, especially if you're an audio-only podcast. I know some people who do video podcasts don't have this luxury, but if you're an audio-only podcast, having the camera off uses less of your internet bandwidth So that bandwidth can kind of go to improving the audio quality. Because if, say, you're on a kind of slow connection and it's trying to feed through video feed as well as recording the sound, it can just kind of make all of it suck. You'll have laggy video, you'll have blips in your audio. So I think keeping the camera off keeps that audio quality a lot higher. And finally, speaking on internet, If you can hardline in your internet connection instead of being recorded over Wi-Fi and get your guests to do the same, you will be rewarded hand over fist with better audio. Wi-Fi sometimes just can't quite keep up, and having that hardline connection with an Ethernet cable just really does improve the quality. So Zoe, I hope this helps. In the meantime, go check out her show, The Spunky VA. She is doing some awesome stuff and she is an absolute blast and a half to listen to. That concludes our episode on how to get your room tone in Chiggity Check. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, I will be passing the mic to Kennedy Castillo to talk about her three podcasts. You heard me right, one, two, and three and how she started a podcast network. Kennedy is doing the most, and she's doing it with style. I had a great time talking to her. It's a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. In the meantime, please follow Up an Octave wherever you're listening and leave me a rating or review, because just like your show, mine needs those to grow.
Come hang out with me on Instagram at Sonavia Studios and keep the conversation rolling. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for helping me take podcasting up an octave. Oh,